Hey, I'm Paul Perry. I'm Kim Hartsock, and you're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders. Designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Kim. Hey, Paul. And hello to everybody else that's on this, uh, listening to this podcast. Welcome to The Wrap. And right now, Kim and I are going to kick off our new season with a special edition, uh, our first episode of 2021. This is exciting, Kim. It is. And for our new listeners, we typically have these special editions whenever we have a hot topic that is timely and really relevant. And we are just super excited about this upcoming season. There's a lot of good topics, a lot of good guests coming up uh, in our upcoming episodes, everything from data breaches and security, which you know is my favorite, some tax updates, and then just trends that business leaders will not want to miss out on. Yeah, and today we're talking current trends with M&A and tax updates with our friends Hanny Ackle and Dave Legrand. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. Glad to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. This is Hanny. Um, I lead the transaction advisory practice for our firm. I sit here in Birmingham, and we focus on both buy-side and sell-side activity. Hi, and I'm I'm Dave Legrand. I am a member in our tax and transaction advisory practices here at the firm. I sit in our Birmingham office and we do a lot of tax work on the M&A side of things. Hey, Kim, is, is Hanny our first like three-time comeback guest? Is he the, is he the fourth? Is this number four for you? I have Hanny? no idea. I don't know. I was trying to think about the times we've done it, but I, I couldn't remember. <laughs> I think Hanny gets the award for the RAP's most frequent guests for sure. But we're glad to have you back, Hanny. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed doing these with you guys. Yeah, and I'm I'm really interested in this topic today. I know many of our listeners are. I was reading um, last week this statistic that they interviewed corporate executives, and more than 50% of them said that they plan to spend more in M&A in 2021 than in years before. And we know that companies have been spending a lot in the most recent years. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been quite an interesting time. I, I think I've overused the word fascinating uh, over the last year, just since the pandemic hit and all the way you know through today. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it just seems like the way to grow these days uh, is through M&A. And so even before the pandemic, things were hot, as everybody knew. Uh, private equity groups are raising capital. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And uh, there was a little lull right about March, April of 2020. Uh, everybody was trying to just kind of see, hold their breath. Uh, hopefully this thing would pass by uh, and things would get back to normal. Uh, unfortunately, it took probably till about summer of 2020 before uh, things started to pick back up. Now, we were always doing M&A, just the deals got a little bit smaller um, from about March to summer. And then from summer onward, things just began building steam. And what was interesting about it is that normally a, an election year creates a pause in the marketplace. Um, so that plus the pandemic, everybody was thinking, you know, recessions ahead of us are going to occur. And uh, quite the opposite has been happening here lately. Um, to start the year, it's been been quite interesting as well, because, you know, almost on January 1st, you know, our phone started to ring off the hook. And certainly towards the end of the year, we were working on deals that, you know, people are trying to get ahead of the tax law changes that potentially would occur. And obviously, we'll talk about that a little bit later on this call. But um it was interesting that those deals that weren't going to get done, uh, it was clear that they wouldn't get done by the end of the year, kind of moved into, you know, first quarter of 2021. And then, you know, the just the bottom fell out. And so everybody 
uh, is trying to get into some deal activity right now is what it feels like. All industries, a lot of consolidation seems to be occurring. So it's, it's, it's uh, like I said before, quite a fascinating time to be part of an M&A group. Yeah, and we're seeing the same thing on the tax side. I mean, there's a lot more M&A activity in part due to the extraordinarily dynamic tax environment that we're in right now. I mean, so for example, we had 31 years that went by between the big tax package in 1986 and then the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017. And then since then, we've had the CARES Act last March. We had COVID-2 last December. We've got the American Rescue Plan that's going on right now that just passed the House and is in the Senate. And we're anticipating a pretty large tax package coming up later in the year that we're watching very closely. So um, we're just really in a, a period of potentially rising tax rates, uh, which will really change the way we structure and plan transactions. So we're watching it all closely and want to kind of go over some of those points today. That's interesting because I would have expected the pandemic and coronavirus to slow down the volume and size of transactions. That doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be very positive, not negative. And I would imagine that CARES Act and the PPP funds that were received by companies had something to do with that. Is that correct? Yeah. And and look, there's a lot of businesses out there that were negatively impacted and, and certainly our hearts go out to those, those business owners and families. But uh, political views aside, uh, I do believe at least the deals that I've participated in and seen, um, there definitely has been a positive impact from that, those PPP funds. So, you know, it helped buy some time for these business owners to kind of revamp their operations and activities, certainly allowed them to hold on to employees that they otherwise would have had to let go uh, just as part of their cash flow minimization, you know, efforts. And so definitely we saw that the PPP funds were a positive impact to these businesses and helped them get through kind of the tough time there that I described. So yeah, not to go way off subject here, but is there any impact on a deal when PPP funds were received by a company? Yeah, sure. So we've seen this kind of dealt with in, in, in one of two ways primarily. And first, and, and, and most often what we see happen is uh, buyer and seller kind of agreed to, to escrow the funds that were received in the PPP loan. And then if the, if the loan is forgiven through the SBA process, uh, then the funds are released back to the sellers. And if forgiveness is not achieved for whatever reason, then the funds go back to the buyer. And, and when we see this kind of take shape in an M&A deal, it's particularly if we're on sell side, we really like for the sell side to maintain control of the process. And that way they're in control of the process because it's their deal money that they're playing with. If buy side's in charge of the process post-close, then what we find is they're obviously less motivated because they're they're playing with deal money and they can just treat it as debt if, if it doesn't work out. So that that's the way we usually see this work, you know, nine times out of 10. Uh, every once in a while, we'll be working on a deal and for whatever reason, buy side will, you know, be worried about the PR or whatever optics might be in play with, with getting PPP loans, with everything going on in the press. So they'll just say, we don't want a PPP loan. You can either get it forgiven before we close, or we're just going to treat this as debt and net it out of your closing wire. And when we see that happen, what we find is that sell side, if they're going to concede that deal point, they'll say, okay, well, if I'm going to give you that, then, you know, I'd like more in X, Y, and Z and whatever else they're negotiating. So we try to use that to leverage to get them something else if they're going to end up conceding on that point. I think stressing the the point about, you know, trying to get forgiveness before doing a deal. Obviously, you can't time it, right? So it's a little bit tougher. Um, but if you can uh, get that forgiveness, it certainly takes one deal point off the table because, I mean, a buyer to some degree may not be as motivated to get the forgiveness if they end up putting it in escrow. You know, they're not as motivated to get that forgiveness as, you know, you would be as the seller. And so it's just something to keep in mind as you think about a transaction going forward. So, Hanny, I imagine that's got to play 
differently with your valuations? What are you guys seeing right now as it relates to valuations with these deals? Uh, it's quite an interesting time, as I said before. So, I mean, look, when uh, demand is, is high and supply is low, which is pretty much what we're seeing in the marketplace, there's just not enough deal volume out there for, you know, the amount of capital that needs to be deployed. And so uh, the, the valuations are, are obviously going up. Uh, we would have thought, you know, record highs, you know, the year before, uh, but we're still seeing some very, very high price deals coming across our desk. And so what does that mean if you're a seller? Uh, it's, it's very, very attractive. If you're a buyer, I mean, people are still competing at these higher prices and figuring out how to make these deals work. So it is, it has been an interesting time to kind of see these valuations go up. And, and as a seller, I mean, if you made it through the recession, this is kind of mindset that we're hearing and seeing. You know, if you if you made it through the pandemic, if you will, and I know we're still kind of in the middle of it, but if you made it through and your business was positively impacted for whatever reason, you know, you're feeling like you're pandemic resistant at this point or recession resistant, if you want to throw that in there. And so, you know, if you thought you were a five times or six times business before the pandemic, now you're thinking you're a seven, eight, nine times business. And because there's so much demand for, you know, deal flow. Uh, obviously, you know, prices go up in an auction situation. So uh, to answer your question in short, valuations are definitely much higher today than, than they were. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now back to the show. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating to watch. And it just seems like there's so much capital that was raised by these private equity groups pre-pandemic that to have to deploy the capital or give it back, which we know they don't want to do, they're just competing and prices are going up. So, you know, more and more businesses are coming to the market and trying to get ahead of these tax laws that we're trying to talk about that we know are coming. And plus you have interest rates that are so low. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's just the perfect storm. So, Dave, I understand you did a discussion uh, for the M&A South Conference this week. Uh, I'm sure it was a very interesting discussion for PE firms. But if I'm a business owner, what did y'all talk about and what do I need to know? Yeah, so I think if you're a business owner right now, you you really got to keep as close an eye as you can on this tax package as it develops, because I think it could be very, very significant. I mean, first off, the notion of, of taking capital gains up to ordinary rates. So you'd be going from 20% to 39.6% uh, with this tax law change would be very, very dramatic. And it'd be a real earthquake in kind of how M&A gets taxed, particularly on the sell side. So, you know, to put that in perspective right now, we're at 20%. If we went up to 39%, you're, you're talking about doubling the capital gains rate. So it'd be really, really significant. And a lot of the structuring and planning that we do on sell side right now it has a lot to do with looking at purchase price allocations and other structures so that we can try to move dollars from ordinary gain to capital gain, you know, playing with that rate arbitrage of right now under current law, about 17%, it's at 37% for ordinary and 20% for capital gains rate. So if, if that whole notion goes away and rates are basically the same and that rate arbitrage evaporates, we really will have lost one of our tools in our tool belts with respect to planning. So we'll be thinking about how we do things a little bit differently if this law were to come to pass. And so, you know, one upside here for sell side might be that what we call section 1202 qualified small business stock structures or opportunity zone planning may become much, much more powerful if capital gains rates really, really go up. 
Uh, those are a couple areas in the tax law that will enable taxpayers to either defer or even completely exclude some capital gains from their taxable income. So that could become a lot more powerful uh, in a, in a post-tax law change environment that we may be looking at with these higher rates. So uh, we're watching that very closely. The, the, the second thing that I would point out is the idea that this, the corporate tax rate may go from 21 back up to 28%. It was at 34, it went down to 21. Now we may be going back up. And if that were to become law, uh, we would see corporate structures post-close would be less efficient to operate from a tax perspective. Uh, the other thing we would see if we're on buy side in particular, if we're structuring our transaction, uh, in an asset sale context to try to achieve tax amortizable goodwill, achieve that, we call it step up in M&A tax. Uh, in a higher rate environment, those deductions, that balance sheet that's more favorable to the buy side would be a lot more valuable in a higher rate uh, tax environment. So that would be another area we would look at if this were to become law later this year. But what if I'm an investor? I mean, is there something different that I need to think about? So I, I think if you're an investor, the biggest thing would be watching those capital gains rates to see if they're going to really go up as much as we think that they might based on, you know, the literature in the tax community that we're seeing, the campaign websites from last year's election. Everything that's out there is, is pointing towards this potentially really being in this package. So we're watching that very closely. The other thing I would point out is, is carried interest. And, and this is an area of the tax law that's kind of under constant threat, it feels like, you know, with, with various mediums and with the legislative branch. But it's basically the idea that uh, if certain metrics are met, if you're in a private equity or a real estate context, that these pieces of income that's allocated to selected owners and typically a partnership context can be taxed at, at the current preferential capital gains rates instead of being at ordinary rates. And there's, there's an idea out there that this could go away as well uh, with this new package that could be taking shape later in the year. All right, I heard you say something, Dave, and I want to be very clear. So right now, if the holding period is met, which is what you're talking about, um, preferential capital gains treatment is available? That's right. Under current law, if a three-year hold is met, then these promotes or these carried interests can be taxed at preferential capital gains rates. So there's an idea out there that could be in this package that could, that could take that benefit away. So Dave, is there an example that you can walk through for our listeners to, to try to wrap their heads around. Yeah, sure. So uh, for example, say you have um, a $10 million EBITDA company and you're going to trade at, at a 10X multiple. So you're talking about a $100, $100 million enterprise value. And let's say you've got an asset sale that's all goodwill and it's all capital gain. Uh, and you've got maybe $15 million of basis. So you're talking about an $85 million gain that you're going to tax. Well, at today's tax rates at 20%, uh, you're talking about $17 million of tax. If you go up to 39.6 for that rate, then you're talking about $34 million of tax. So your, your after-tax net cash take-home money uh, in that particular scenario would go from $83 million down to $66 million. So you're down about $17 bucks if these rates go up this much. Um, and, and again, all this is to say, this is the federal tax. We're not talking about any applicable state taxes or networking capital adjustments, any of those things. This is just kind of to drive home the point of what this capital gains rate tax hike could possibly mean to your take home, to your take home money. And so we kind of did some math to try to see how this would impact the negotiations and the economics as people are structuring these deals. Uh, if, if these proposed rules were to become tax law. Uh, and we came up with a multiple of about 12.75. So you'd have to sell for 127 and a half million instead of 100 to get the same net take home pay. So you're talking about 27, 28% increase in your enterprise value to get to the same place uh, to give you an idea of how tax inefficient this would be as compared to today's law. That's 
that's really an incredible jump. So when will we know that these changes will be effective and what they finally are? Yeah, so we're watching this package as it's probably going to develop later in the year, maybe summer or fall. Uh, and there's a couple of different ways we think it could go. And again, you know, nobody's seen a bill yet. So we really want to see what happens when they start arguing in ways and means in the Senate Finance Committee. But where we really think this could go is, is one of three ways. Number one, it could be retroactive to January 1st, 2021. So applicable to 2021 tax years and forward. Number two, they could split the year and they could say this is going to be effective at the date of the enactment if they, if they pass the law and it's signed into law at some point before December 31st. And, and the third possibility is they could make it effective January 1st, 2022. So it'd be effective for tax years 2022 and forward. So how does a business owner protect themselves? I mean, like what what type of tax planning is going to be necessary based on all of this discussion with the potential change? Yeah, it's a really good question, Paul. Um, so, I mean, I guess from our perspective, if you were considering an exit uh, in the next two or three or even four years, uh, it makes a lot of sense to, to think about that you know, now, um, just given the, the points that Dave was just making. Yeah, I was saying, it really, if you're thinking about in a couple of years, taking a good look at 21 and getting signed up with an advisor soon and, and starting to kind of think through what it would look like would be a good idea uh, to see if you can stay ahead of some of this. And then, it, you know, it really could alter the economics of your deal, as we indicated in that earlier example. And then I, I think if you're on buy side, the potential for higher rates could really make your opening tax basis balance sheet on your newly acquired entity more valuable if you have these additional deductions that we can we can try to structure and plan for. So I think that's something else to keep in mind. Um, and so we really like to just kind of run models for clients. You know, what if we structured it this way or that way or allocated our purchase price this way or that way to see if we can kind of get the best answer for everybody as we kind of structure and plan things with clients as we move forward. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always a prudent practice to keep an eye on your market valuation, but especially in, in this current environment. So Kenny, really the best way to do that is to ask the market what you're worth, right? Yeah, absolutely. We we always advocate that. And obviously you could do a, you know, you could call folks like ourselves or any CPA that does valuations and try to get a formal valuation. However, you know, in our minds, you could just as easily go out to like an investment banker or a private equity group that are focused on your space um, in particular. So they're specialized in your area. They know all the nuances of what your business kind of interacts with. And so just kind of poking around and asking some questions, you could get a pretty quick and dirty, you know, range as far as what your business is worth, or, you know, many of those groups will give you a true, you know, value for your business. Uh, And you can choose if you want to transact or not. It doesn't mean you're for sale. It it absolutely doesn't mean that. It's obviously very confidential. Everybody understands confidentiality in the M&A world. And so, you know, it, like we said, it's just good practice to kind of think about what your value is. And then once you get that number, you can then run the models that Dave was just alluding to and kind of see what kind of tax impact you're going to have in the you know current law or, or the future law as far as what we're thinking it's going to look like. So you've uh, given us some best practices. What, what else should a business owner do exactly at this point if they're contemplating moving forward with some kind of M&A transaction on either side? Yeah, I know it sounds cliche, but from my perspective, I think it's about, you know, surrounding yourself with the right team and the right advisors. And so in this case, you know, we do uh, M&A transactions day in and day out and can be helpful. Obviously, you know, bringing in an attorney as well that does transactions would be helpful too. Uh, like we said, there's bankers and other things. So rounding out the team. So my, from my perspective, I would say, you know, building your team and starting to ask these questions and kind of poking around what makes sense to do. 
uh, is certainly the best next step in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I think on the tax side, you know, running some models to look at different structures and different ways that you could transact and how you could sell your business, whether it's an asset sale or equity sale or how the purchase price allocation would flow. It's always a good idea to get a general idea of what your net after-tax cash might be if you did elect to transact. Well, this has been great. Lots of great information that we've discussed. And, you know, Hanny, since you've been here so many times, you know that here on the wrap, we like to wrap it up in 60 seconds or less. So what are some of the key takeaways you want to leave listeners with today? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think, you know, the number one thing I'd, I'd love for a business owner to take away is to, to figure out what the value of your business is. Uh, I think, you know, get to that number and get to, to a good number. I think there's a lot of ways to, to get some, some valuations for your business, but I think the best way is to ask the market. And, and from that perspective, you need to be asking investment bankers or private equity groups or folks that are doing M&A in your, in, your, in your industry. I think that's the best way to kind of get to that number and then running those models. So that's what I would leave, I would leave you guys with. Yeah, and I think on the tax side, the, the key pieces of the potential legislation that we're watching are, are again, those capital gains rates, uh, the corporate rates, the potential to change the way carried interests are taxed, and then obviously the effective date of the package as it, as it comes through Congress. Um, and again, our, our firm's gonna be watching this very, very closely. We're gonna have lots of content out through various mediums. It, it may be articles or webinars or podcasts or LinkedIn posts, uh, but we're gonna be watching this very closely as this legislation takes shape. Thank you guys for being here today. This has been Absolutely. really great. And we always Wonderful enjoy hearing from you and thanks so much for sharing your time with us today. Thank you guys for having us. We enjoyed it. We appreciate it. Thanks again. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.